people of Earth. If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, had it on my iPad, and I was, I said, let's watch a movie together. So I plugged it in, so we both had our headphones in. About 20 minutes in, she said, I'm going to read. She just was not interested. I was not a big fan of it. I mean, I didn't dislike it. I just didn't like it. You know? I watched it mostly because of the way they did the special effects. Yeah. Uh, that was interesting. A great cast, a great cast. So, all right, well, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and we are podcasting on a rare Saturday evening, uh, just because there's a lot of other scheduling things going on, and of course, across from, what, what is the date? It's the, it's the 11th. 11th, the 11th of June. Uh, so, uh, of course, uh, across from me it's at the table, is it, is that what time it is? I don't know. Speaking of, of time, <laughs> uh, I have no idea what, you know, it, this was sort of a, oh, we forgot to confirm with each other. And what's about six forty five is when I got a message saying, Hey, are you coming over tonight? Wait a minute. I thought you were going to ask me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a recollection of having said, "Well, how about Saturday night?" And then I don't, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's all in print somewhere. You can take it. We'll we'll go back to the transcripts later. Of course, uh, across, across from the table here, uh, hosting at the Brett Cave podcast producer Rick Brett Snyder. Uh, there we go. We are the Fanboy Planet podcast, and uh, so we got some. Uh, oh, of course, if you're listening to us uh, on iTunes, please rate us. Uh, review us, subscribe to us, and tell your friends. You can do the same thing on the Stitcher app, and you can do the same thing on, I believe it's podtrack.com. And, of course, you can find it at fanboyplanet.com, where you've not only got each and every podcast having a page of its own with a cool Photoshopped image to go along with it, an illustration. We also, of course, have uh, all kinds of content on fanboyplanet.com, some of which we talk about on the podcast. And if there's something we talk about on the podcast that you're thinking you'd like to buy and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, we do have handy-dandy Amazon links. We get a tiny kickback if you do the search box there or if there's actually a direct link to an item. So please, again, if you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar, Go Amazon this way. And if you'd like to help support the podcast and the site itself through its hosting, and you'd like to donate money on, uh, what is that? Uh, PayPal. PayPal. You can send it to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And as well, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, criticism, compliments, I've turned French, uh, compliments, criticism, uh, what have you. Anything you want to ask us or tell us or the French are at the about, door, by the way, they want to talk to you. The about. French are at the door? Yeah. <laughs> what are they, they're like Jehovah's Witnesses? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's like suddenly the French show up. Uh, no, it's just uh, my heart's like, one of my friends is at Paris Disneyland right now. Or uh, whatever they, it's not Euro Disney anymore. It's, I think it's Disney Paris. Did they Paris? change it to Disney Paris? I, yeah. I, don't I think th- they may have. I don't it, think they call it They've done Euro all the Disney. other ones called Disney whatever. Yeah, so he's yeah. been posting pictures of like the you know the Phantom Manor and the Ratatouille ride. Right. And, you know, and he 
tagged me in the ratatouille thing today so anyway that's why that's why i turned french one thing we don't say is that if you go to the fanboy planet page you can listen to it while you're on the page that is true you can actually leave your page open and listen to it while you're doing other things on your computer and if you want to you can also use the page to download the file directly to your computer so you can now you may wish to whistle while you work but some people like to just geek out while they work so you just let it run in the background and there's so oh it's like having friends in your room Huh, who aren't talking like? to you? Who are ignoring you? And talking <laughs> who are to ignoring else? you when you're yelling at them? Oh, that's a lot like my my yeah. friends. Okay, <laughs> Rick, I'm not sure that you sold that, but that's okay. I sold it. <laughs> you can write to a into, certain type of person. Just write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. We hope that last week you enjoyed uh, the special uh, podcast that was speaking of of, of other uh, experts and friends. There, Tom Galloway, who kind of guested by a bacon. Uh, and this week we're a little more standard. And uh, let's see, the next time we podcast, I just want to sell this. We'll have Nate back. I was going to say, last week's photo was the cutout of Miss Marvel's face where I plugged yes. in everyone's face. And I tried to find a picture of Tom Galloway that I could stick in with you and me. And, and I couldn't find a good picture that would work. Yeah, I have a couple of candidates like on the site of him from the uh, Pro Fan Trivia yeah. Contest. But... Uh, but I found ones of you and I, we didn't have to be in the same same viewpoint. But it still scares me, and we'll just have a moment of the of the droids are coming. You know that that Facebook automatically, oh yeah, tagged my face, yes. and you were just like going, "Hey, this image is coming." I don't know what you I were just, doing with I'd it. I'd been playing with it, and and I'd done a test of it on Facebook to see where the framing was going to be. And it came up and said, would you like to tag Derek McConaughey? Yeah, it's Derek in his Captain Marvel outfit with the yellow wig. <laughs> it's like, okay. No, it's not. It, <laughs> so all I saw was my face with I just, the yellow I, wig. When, yeah. I, when I put that up, I just put it up for a second. So all right. Easy. It was just bizarre. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, we're coming to the point of no privacy. So let's uh, let's invade yours by talking about comics news, movie news, TV news. Let's get inside your head. Um, with the thing that's making fanboys the most afraid this week, our top story, which has been going on for about a week, and I don't know if you've been following it closely. I'm, I can't decide if I find it funny, sad, well, how I feel about the rumored reshoots on Star Wars Rogue One. Or I'm sorry, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Yes. Uh, that uh, Gareth Edwards, who was the director of Monsters and Godzilla, has apparently delivered a war film, which I don't know if you recall. But when we were at D23, weren't they pretty much telling us that Rogue One was going to be that war film? Yeah, I, funny. A Star Wars film that might be a war, war film. film. Uh, <laughs> How very odd. And apparently it was dark and grim and they wanted to get some tone in and now everybody's doing damage control and spin control yeah. trying to uh, trying to establish that, no, it's going to be okay. It's just, you know, this is... And Mads Mikkelsen just gave an interview today or maybe it was yesterday in which he was saying, it's like, oh yeah, it's six weeks of reshoots, but it's just, you know, because maybe we didn't do that good a job in a scene or a shot and they're just trying to fix things and, and this is standard. Well, it is actually standard that people go in for reshoots. I'm not sure if six weeks is, but there have been rumors of all kinds of screenwriters coming in and, and second unit directors coming in to shift the tone. And then people are like, oh, the whole point was it would be different. Yeah. And my, my thing is. They are they are running scared. They, I, but they I, just I, don't want to break. They're, they're like, they don't want to break their records. They don't want to take any chances. Well, were you not the one who pointed out that uh, Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens, didn't actually crack a billion? 
Uh, I thought I saw somebody post that recently. I did not post that recently. That, uh, but you know, whereas obviously yeah. Civil War did. Yeah. Um, but they are hedging their bets. But that's the thing is that's where movie making has has come. A franchise like Star Wars has to be this huge. I'm just walloping thing, and I'd like to get back to smaller because it's sort of a time. Did you see X Men Apocalypse yet? Yes, I saw it. And were you halfway through that thinking I missed the days when there really didn't have a lot of budget? To use on special effects, and Where they could just they tell didn't a story. have to start destroying the world in the first. They first could just tell real. They could just tell a, a, a yeah. small story and a, a smaller story. I mean, you've got eight characters in the X Men, right? Well, when, but I, I just meant that the the focus was was yeah. much narrower, yeah, yeah. and you know. It also called attention to me that I've never particularly liked Apocalypse as a villain. <laughs> no, I mean, he's, he's ambiguous. You don't yeah. really know what he's about. The thing about the Star Wars stuff, though, is I wonder how, how I mean, it's going to be telling how insecure they are when they go for the, for the um, Han Solo movie. Are they going to do Star Wars colon Hans, young Han Solo or something, whatever they call that? Star Wars Origins. Origins. The Han Solo and and uh, Deadpool they, will show up at the end. Why they think they have to put Star Wars at the beginning because Han Solo doesn't have enough name no, 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 recognition. No, 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 no. But, but I don't know that they're going to do that. I mean, saying, I, we'll Rogue, see. Rogue That's, One is still says Rogue One, a Star Wars a Star story. Wars story. The only thing that changed there was it was initially we were told that it was going to be Star Wars anthology, so that right. everything that wasn't the main Journal of the Wills or the, uh, the Skywalker saga, yeah. whatever you want to call it from how far back but, your geekery goes. But how do we define a Star Wars story? What is, I mean, Star Wars for me has always been the Rebel versus the Rebels versus the Alliance, and now it's the Rebels versus the First Order. But it's it's been the Rebellion the and resistance the Resistance versus the First Order, yeah. yeah. So, so now we've. I was just so if, that Drew you, Campbell wouldn't have. If an you aneurysm. tell the story of Han Solo, a young Han Solo, arguably he's not necessarily going to be involved in that. We're, we may just be getting a good. I'm going. I'm to, hoping we're telling a smaller story. Okay, again. but I'm going to say, uh, going back to the Brian Daly Han Solo novels, there yes, was an yes. implication that he had been with the Empire. No longer canon. I understand that, and I don't even know that those novels ever really were because I, yeah. anything that happened between right. Star Wars and Return of the Jedi as far as novels go, I right. don't think anybody right. ever really did anything but had fun with them. Right. But So here's here's my thing back. is like when people criticized Force Awakens and said, you know, it was just like the first one, and, I said, and I've said, and I think on the podcast, Star Wars, the movies are now almost like church. You go... The homily is a right. little different, right, 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 right. but you still expect to have the certain prayers. There's an invocation. There's there's a, the, a, beats, the beats yeah. are similar. I don't think The Force Awakens they, they do is, pass the plate a little earlier in the service. <laughs> you know, I don't think that The Force Awakens is quite the Xerox copy no. that a lot of critics so. said either. But it was fun. There's a certain tone. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And if you wanted something different, that's what books and games and comics or four so i'm gonna throw put you on the spot because we just talk about you we sort of alluded to legends right, right? the star right. wars legends is i know that there's all kinds of different stories if you want a different story i mean i would look at recently that c3po one shot at from marvel uh-huh. the as a comic that's like that is a story you would never be able to tell they would not have a Star Wars story, C-3PO, and basically the story of a droid surviving and how he got his red arm. Very deep, one of the best, honestly one of the best one-shots of the year. Sure, 
that I've encountered. I'm sure there are others people can write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. But when you look at some of the novels, like I recall years ago on the podcast you bringing up, there's a series of novels about stormtroopers fighting a zombie virus yes. on a starship. Yes. Or on a there's, star there's, cruiser. There's space at least cruiser. two. I think there's two. I couldn't remember if it was a full series. I knew there was more than one. Yeah. But, you know, so those legends still exist. I, I mean, you can still find those books. Sure. Do you remember what the title are? I put, I They're know, over I'm on sorry. the shelf. Uh, I, know, I can tell you. Maybe just put it's it like, in Maybe just put it in the notes. Like, you yeah. know, we can link to it because I'm sure that there's somewhere still in print. Oh, give me a second. All right. I, I will keep on talking then. No, we'll edit this. Rick has gone to one of the secret shelves of the Brett Cave and come up with the books Red Harvest and is it Death Poopers? Oh, I'm sorry, Death, Death, Death Troopers. Troopers. Well, I, both there was there was a blood spatter on the uh, spine. They're both by Joe Schreiber. Schreiber, Schreiber, probably. Yeah, who knows? It could be Schreiber. With but a, so a name like Brett Snyder, I don't judge. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Star Wars Red Harvest and Red. Is it or Dead Trooper? Death Troopers. Death Troopers, and they are zo- essentially zombie novels with yeah. stormtroopers. I mean, the, one of them is like it's a zombie hand coming out of the snow, holding it, a lightsaber. It looks like uh, Dead Snow. And the other one, the other one actually looks a little more like it. Ought to be um, Star Wars, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacres. Okay, going on. see, and uh, I know that there are what there was an entire oh Rogue Squadron. There's an entire series. If you want yeah. a war film, oh yeah, you know in in both novels and comics and available on yeah, Marvel war- Comics Unlimited uh, is uh, Rogue Squadron, which is following Wedge and his his gr- troop of uh, his, it's like the his group of pilots, it's like the French air, um, air air fighters in World War One. You know, it's, it's right. It's the squadron so, of buddies. So, so and- my point is that if people are disappointed that they want to make Rogue One feel more like the mainstream Star Wars movies i guess i can see disney's point they have invested a lot of money they have a huge franchise and in three years they have to they have to convince people that a story without the skywalkers is going to be compelling enough to be in the universe because they've got this star wars land coming which i have no idea if any of the main characters are going to be in it because i think at d23 they said it was like you're on this fringe planet uh, you know on, on the edge of it yeah they made it sound like it was gonna be like casablanca where everybody can yeah be well i guess like maz Kanata's, maybe that's what it's gonna be I, you know yeah. it, but at any rate in three four years they've got this land where it's it's not gonna be tied into the full you're just gonna get immersed in the universe yeah um, which I think will be fun. Until you get on the Star Wars rides to take you to other yeah, well, parts well, of the Well, sure, sure. I and mean, then bring you right back. <laughs> oh, right. And, uh, for you your know, burger. Yeah, and, and then they teach you how to play that cantina band, uh, you know, thing. They just had, uh, there's a there's a bunch of new Lego Star Wars shorts on uh, Xfinity. And one of them is, uh, they do the Maz Kanata, like the, the, all these people were like right before Han Solo gets caught, uh, tr- uh in Force Awakens, right? So they vi- so there's all those uh, temporarily caught all those villain all those criminals looking for Han Solo at Maz Kanata's. Uh-huh. And if you want to know where Lando is, <laughs> that's actually where he is, and diverting everyone trying to keep trying to keep Han safe. And then there's a joke about the instruments from from the cantina, and uh, you know, so they're like three a, a series of three minute shorts that have all the Force Awakens characters, and it was really really fun. And there you go. Those can exist. Um, sure. It, but they can't exist in the movies. That's the that's the thing that's still 
you know, I, I got to go. So anyway, until they do, until they do. But again, Hollywood's backed into a corner. Yeah, everything's got to be. I mean, and this is the summer where uh, we just referenced X Men Apocalypse, disappointing box office. Alice Through the Looking Glass, disappointing box office. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm going How's to that give, doing? I, uh, terribly. Really? I'm going to give an apocryphal story here. Friday night, opening night. And this is, I'm saying apocryphal. It's not apocryphal. I saw the photo, but I wasn't there. Jason Salazar and his daughter went on opening night and were the only two people there. Really? On opening night for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Out of the out of the shadows. Is that what the subtitle yeah. is? And, See, and, I like the first one of this, of this generation. So I had hopes for this this one as well. Yeah. I it mean, just looked like more of the same. And are they just, well, I, I kind of liked this one for at least embracing that it was about cartoons and toys. Yeah. And so I, I didn't see the first one. I was thinking I wanted to see this one. And I it, it feels like it's almost gone already because we're on to the next thing. And, yeah. And, Warcraft and this kind of stuff. I mean, that kind of movie though does a lot more business in in DVD and Blu-ray sales. I suspect so, and that's what I would think is you know maybe parents buy it for the Disney should take, accept Disney should accept that make Rogue One darker and don't yeah, don't, don't be shooting for the right. billion dollar. The same thing I would go over with Marvel. I've said this when the first thing about Black Widow getting a solo movie is a Black Widow solo movie is not going to be the big budget CG fight scene uh, because I, I was comparing thinking about like watching civil war versus watching a fight scene in daredevil where yeah. they actually have to use stunt people right and have to actually shoot that fight live versus you know a civil war you can tell i'm sorry as great as a lot that, of wire as, work as, as, well not even wire work it's cg they're all masked they're all in that that great airport fight most of that fight is cg Spider-Man is almost never actually a person on the set, hmm. you know, and and, it, and the same thing happens on the Flash TV show. As much as I love that, there were fight scenes between him and Zoom that are just like you can tell they are. It's it's a sophisticated video game. And so in Flash, it kind of works, though, I mean, even kind of because but they started slowing it down and showing you. Yeah. And that's where it's it's getting in the way. The one that bothered me was Killer Shark. King Shark. King Shark. Yeah. Yeah. I, although I would not have used that character, I kind of thought that was fun, uh, just because yeah. I couldn't believe they were using King Shark. But that—that's on the side. It's like there's room to not make a billion dollars and build just sure. long-term goodwill. And, and when, we, when you say bad, uh, disappointing results, do they make their money back on on turtles or on uh, uh, turtles? No. Okay. What about not yet? And. Um, I don't. What about X Men? X Men. I did a, had a pretty good opening weekend, and it's going down. They're still saying they're going to move forward with the next one, um, which by this point I guess is no spoiler to say they're going into the '90s and they're facing Mister Sinister, um, which is another villain that I've never particularly liked outside of oh his, his appearance is interesting. He, they've had a couple of good Sinister stories lately, but mostly because they've been over the top, like a whole underground underworld city. Where they're all Mr. Sinister. Okay, I just want more Deadpool, really. is yeah, that, yeah. I, That's what I'm coming down to. But, uh, you know. So, anyway, I, I, I'm i just saying with Star Wars is, you know, let it not... Make $500 million and be happy. And then let it, let it be the movie that everybody goes, yeah, that was really good. The, the truth of the matter is, you couldn't make, under this modern urge to be constantly making a billion dollars is you couldn't make The Empire Strikes Back. Darker, more introspective, 
the the movie that's least like the others in, yeah. in its rhythms and and in, in its themes, and in a. And yet, that's part, and that's the one that everybody loves, that likes the most. In hindsight, yeah. When you think about it, though, when you talk about rhythm and story and big stories versus little stories, or little stories, not big stories versus stories, the idea that the Netflix movies are much more focused on a smaller cast of characters, and the mm-hmm. the the, the, the series, stakes you mean, the yeah. stakes are not as high, right? It's it's not it's not like how do you explain how the New York's still there the next day, you know, kind of thing, which is going to be, is the thing with apocalypse with things just fl- destroying themselves all over the world. Well, I would like the, at least the next X-Men movie to acknowledge that, that there the was, world almost ended right, and that right, most right. of the cities fell apart. Yeah. And that's what got ridiculous. There's millions of people in therapy still. I, I was just having a conversation with somebody about that saying like, you know, oh, oh sorry, with my niece and nephew last night that Magneto, that, that Michael Fassbender is they keep they they don't they won't let Magneto be a villain. He's redeemed yeah. at the end of every, every single yeah. one. He he gets corrupted again and redeemed. <sighs> but what I was going to say was the Netflix films are all long form, even though they're 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 individual episodes. Yeah, they're, they're not very long form storytelling for for the arcs that they're telling. The, the and they're too flabby. Deadpool feels more like a Netflix movie though. Then it does. It's a small story. A the stakes, the stakes, despite the fact that they go on to a helicarrier. I mean, uh, a, a a big uh, item that looks a lot like a helicarrier, but that's just coincidental. Tips over like a helicarrier. Yeah. Um, but it still, and that's what made that movie work for me so so well. Was it was a love story and yeah. a horror story at its heart, right? But a very personal one. And horror stories. You know, they also don't work as world ending. I mean, they do, but it's but it's this. You know, you've got to be on the small stakes because because that's the story we want to see. Can we can it be stopped before it becomes a huge? I'd just like to see Netflix take a chance and not do something you have to binge watch. You know, do a good solid two hour movie. Well, I can say I, I because of just my uh, work circumstances, I'm still not done with season two of Daredevil. Oh, I know. And I haven't started season two of Daredevil. And I can say it's very good. And when I got to an episode with the, uh, I've been through with several episodes with the Punisher, but there was the, the the last one I watched. I went, oh, right. And it, the question I have with that, and we're getting off the Rogue One thing way off a field, is who's watching those shows that don't know the comics i mean i think some people are but like with yeah. daredevil in particular i notice it it, it 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 echoes back and hits so hard on classic storylines that i do wonder like you wonder what it was like for someone who had who not had no read them. yeah that's that's i'm that's always my mind the thing i think there are so few people who knew jessica drew i mean jessica jones, jessica jones. Jessica drew. that spider woman i know um, but it was going to be. They wouldn't let him do Jessica Jones, uh, Jessica Drew as right, that character. Right, right. But that, they, they're so. She's not a core Marvel character. She was in a series from a number of years ago. It had a weird title. People, it wasn't connected to anything right, else. So right. a lot of people kind of missed it. Even, even in graphic novel format, I think it, it had right. its own. It had its audience, and the audience is strong, but it wasn't universal. Yeah. And I think that the the but if you go through that story i think it doesn't really depend on anything else 
No, it because it's also different enough from the original comic. Yeah, that it's you know it's getting right to like I said the actual storyline in there is the is, last. It was the segment. last storyline yeah. from the from the series, so they could afford to just tell that story. But I would say it was still like three or four episodes too long. I agree, and and I feel the same way about Daredevil season two. You could cut it down and get to. I'm going to be honest, uh, after about the third stairwell fight in Daredevil, I'm like, could we... Okay, I've seen three episodes with that right. now. Tell oh, me there's more a story. kind of a new way to Tell go me more stuff. story. Yeah. Although, the other thing is, it's like... I know I'm about to commit heresy. When I watch the Ben Affleck Daredevil, yes. the thing that it really called attention to me, one of the things that really that was a great failure of that film, was it? it reminded me how much all these avenger avenging heroes are alike yeah and and a good superhero story should not call attention to that to me even if it's a batman pastiche you know whatever is i shouldn't be reminded that i'm watching the same thing over and over again which is what's so exciting about the fact that they'll do huck because it's an entirely different type of story from anything they've done so far, and it's but it's still undeniably a superhero story. Yeah, we still and don't then, know what network's so, going to carry Huck, but but the fact so, that somebody's going to do Huck. Is but if somebody absolutely. does that, right? And the, what's the reaction? Oh, let's do a whole bunch of new types of superhero stories where they're not grim and gritty. It's going to be like, oh, let's follow this trend now. Let's make it make a new trend where and then one day ambush bug <laughs> that's what we're you holding draw the, you can connect the dots let's get to actual comics shall okay. we <laughs> but ambush bug uh now in rebirth could we have a decent one who's not a tv reporter yeah uh that's i have a dream i a great dream didn't they uh, kill him off in the tv reporter thing i don't know what i i think there was like some implication i got yeah. bored with it i you know i read I convergence i think convergence killed off and but then ambush bug came back in one of the convergence stuff in the supergirl one so yeah, i'm hoping okay. but it was the, but it was the real ambush bug you know and uh so yeah, that's just mindless speculation at the top of like uh we would like ambush bug back keith giffen maybe she's gonna sh- he's gonna show up in the last story of the sugar and spike in dc <laughs> legends of tomorrow i make that um, worthwhile i haven't gotten to the fourth one yet uh yeah that's a weird series uh this sugar and spike i'm glad it's an anthology because it would have tanked. It would. Yeah. It's not. You know, I'm I've, I'm back three issues. It's on the fourth issue. I read the first one. I've got three. I'm going to I'm going to do the experiment. When I have all on the table. I'm going to read one story well, like all the way you, through. I've almost done that. In that, in the last week, I found two, three, and four. I mean, there four had just come out, and I went. I'm not sure where two and three are, and I didn't read them. So I read two at Bacon, and then I found three, and yeah. I read three about four nights ago. And then I started reading issue four. And I think Firestorm's great. I think that actually the Metamorpho retelling and modern, though I don't like the design because they're using kind of the Justice League International, how he mutated look. But I think the retelling of his origin works fairly well. Okay. Metal Men is fun but it's still the new 52 version of metal man but it's so better it's, than the last time they gave yeah the so it's, it's but it's missing that yeah there's kind of the innocence and and they use the new 52 version of cliff steel and i don't like that version of robot man okay um he's he's a little more bitter than you know that that then it, it was as a member of doom patrol he went in and out of being bitter though yeah but this is like but there i don't think there was a doom patrol in this i don't version. think he's been satisfied with himself since joe stanton was drawing him. joe Staten? Staten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um 
And then the Sugar and Spike is just weird. Like yeah. he's playing in corners of the DC universe that have been wiped out by continuity changes. And and so I, on one hand, I'm like, this should be a lot more fun than it is. And then on the other hand, it's like you're assuming that we have a great affection for the children, Sugar and Spike, and there aren't who's going to pick up Legends of Tomorrow that bought that book regularly. I only remember 60s. them from like one page uh, outtakes oh, oh, in showcase in showcase yeah. showcase one hundred. They showed up. That was that's one of the best books. Did you, did you buy that way I'm back when? Sure showcase number one hundred, where they they did a story that brought in every character who had appeared in the previous ninety nine. That that was one of my prized possessions as a kid. <laughs> Loved that book. Read that over and over and over. But uh, I want to say, in the wake of the Captain America having joined Hydra controversy. Um, and all these people claiming they're never going to buy Captain America again. Oh, uh, Captain America number two ha- is the highest advanced <laughs> reorder of any book this month, uh, and it hasn't even come out yet because everybody is jumping on wanting to find out, oh, what's going to happen? Interesting. So an intriguing story brought in readers. Actually boosted sales. Huh. <laughs> so if you were one of those saying you're never going to read it, I, and I... I, again, somebody brought it up to me last week. It was not a comic book reader. And I said, I, oh, I, I know. got it like every hour at Bacon. You know what I'm going to, you know who I'm going to out now? I'm going to out him because he messaged me privately. But I'm going to say it was, we got an email. Mike Rabel. Really? <laughs> went out and bought Captain America number one and read it. And oh, said, my God. And said, it's really good. Why are people upset? And I said, exactly. That's my point. It's a good book i understand but if you haven't read con but if but people that are getting upset are like people that have acting as if they've never read a comic book before yeah you know because it's like of course it's gonna get undone well are they are they actually people who've read it or they're people who have watched the talking head on the news no exactly you know well and those people have never read a comic book before this came up again and i'm not gonna identify um the person but who commented on Facebook and, and said, like, you know, this is why I don't like And I said, okay. And I, I, and I don't think he said it. Honestly, it was more like a disappointment that they would make that yeah. plot thing. And I said, okay, but let me ask you honestly. When was the last time you bought an issue of Captain America? And he said, okay, you've outed me. You make a good point. I haven't bought comics in years. Yeah. And, and so that's what I'm saying. is like you... We're back to that story, that old story, is if you remembered and had this... I think it was Michael Goodson who said that to me once when he stopped stopped buying comics on a regular basis. And for those listening, he was the the co-founder of Fanboy Planet a long time ago, and he got out of comics. And he said because he found a spot, like he loved Batman, and he found a spot where he stopped reading and said, because all the things I love about Batman already exist. And I can go back and read it again and again, and they're always there. So if you have a favorite Captain America story, and by the way, please write in and suggest to me, like, what are the great, crucial, you know, Captain America stories to you? I'm just very curious. It is his 75th anniversary, and I understand that people are like, and they made him an agent, and I'm like, what better way to celebrate the 75th anniversary of, of Captain America than to boost his sales yeah. because just doing a 75th anniversary thing wouldn't get the casual fan out, you know, and wouldn't get the casual reader for Marvel out. It's, it's somewhat reminiscent of something I was listening to somebody talk about baby boomers 
aging out of the baby boomers. Yeah. And talking about how you'll never age out of being a baby boomer, Rick. I know of eight that they're aging out of being alive. Uh, oh, oh, dying. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> or they're, they're looking forward to their mortality. I'm sorry. They're looking forward to it. And, you know, Please comment. I'm Come so tired. I'm so tired. No, but the idea that, that I'm still generation X. Yay. They're going to be sit, sitting there looking at, you know, we've got how many years out do they have Marvel plot and the movies announced? Like, it's like 2028. Okay, so oh, they don't have titles out there. The titles are out till 2020. Right. So, right. so you know, when you you're going to get to a point, not in the very, not in the very, very far future, but in a, a conceivable future, where you'll start hearing movies being announced that you're going to want to watch, but you probably won't be around to see. I'll be honest. This is what you know. I re- I remember this being one of my reactions when uh, when for just a split second I thought my dad gave a crap about Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and Empire Strikes Back when about Darth Vader reveal being re- sorry. I hope this is no spoiler being revealed to be <laughs> Luke's father. Right. And uh, and he died uh, two weeks before Return of the Jedi came uh, out. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, he'll never get to know. Although I also believe he. You know, I, I don't know that they have one hell of a cineplex in heaven, but yeah. you know, uh, I'm sure that it, you know it wasn't that important. But it was just like, a, oh yeah, and I've thought about that, and they, I think I hope they have IMAX too. Did in 3D. Variety? If, I hope they have better than IMAX of you know at least not an AMC IMAX. Um, but but it, uh, uh, I think it was Variety that ran an article. Maybe it was Esquire that said like you know with Disney's plans, there will be Star Wars movies. Star Wars will be going on longer. After you die. Yeah. But I think about that, just go like, well, let's be honest about, say, Captain America. There was a Captain America movie serial made in the 40s. Right. No one involved with that is still alive. Right. And, you know, that's that's the reality. These are characters that have transcended. And the kids that saw it in the theater in the 40s are marginally still around. Well, you know, and I think about the when i read like marvel comics the untold story and about those creators and and you know when they were young and going well i know them now and they are not these scrappy young guys i've said this before about that book is reading it's like i don't know that i would necessarily have liked them as people then uh-huh. or it's i i've made friends with a couple of pros that have started recently been posting pictures of themselves as young men and i'm like i see that but that's not my friend you yeah. know, my friend is this other person now, you know, and so it's just kind of it's just interesting perspective. Um, but let's speaking of changing demographics, sort of um, Boom Studios, uh, they just did a studio, uh, a, a study and realized when we talk about diversity in comics, Boom Studios of their output, 40 percent are female creators. OK, that is higher than any other publisher. And I, they didn't do it on purpose. It's just that's a commitment to diversity in books. We got focused on superheroes, and there's some like this week, and I didn't pick it up because I'm like, I'm going to buy the trade, and I know I am. The Lumberjanes Gotham Academy crossover number right, one came right. out. Uh, I didn't pick it up because I'm like, no, I know. I'm buying Gotham Academy in trades. Hate me if you must, but the thing with Gotham Academy is it's so fun and so good. I need to have my six issues together so I can just go yeah. right through. Right, right. And if I bought them individually, I would lose them. I don't think. I mean, you're not. That's one of those areas where you're not weird. I mean, there are a lot of people. No, who are and just I, doing think, I think comics. I think sense. I think comics should be going to that in just in general. There are a lot of series where I I know that's how it is. This is the first week in a long time that I haven't bought a trade. 
you know, that, that, uh, like last week, and I haven't read it yet, was that Buffy High School, uh-huh. uh, you know, one shot. I'm like, great. That's going to be great. I can catch up there. Um, although that's another one where another issue for another podcast is like, is, you know, is it time to just let Buffy go? And I'm not positive, you know, but, Anyway, well, she's a superhero, just like all our other I, superheroes. Well, I know, and that's the thing is, but yeah. it, it's, it's like just she doesn't have a costume. But but I was when you look at the at all the actors now, and yeah. you realize that oh, was yeah. over in like two thousand two thousand one. Oh, it's yeah. been fifteen years. Is it time it's to let a, that it's go? It's been a strong strong story. And I, I was oh no, I enjoy the comics. It's just you know, but as I said, it's, a, it's almost a conversation for another. Let's get somebody from the Whedonverse on, and we can have a really fun right. fun debate. Uh, let's get Tony Caballero. I'm calling you out, Tony. Uh, so anyway, um, while we're still on comics, yes, I, I had one thing that I wanted. I meant to mention this before. The, the we did have the passing of the greatest this past week. Was it with this just uh, Muhammad just, Ali? Yes. In the past week, and they've they recently re- reissued Superman versus Muhammad Ali. There's a deluxe hardbound version of and it. And by recently, it's like been three years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they must have just gone, just gone through another printing. I'm sure they're. Re-issued. I'm sure they're keeping it in print because it's uh, well something that just that was showed up in in previews last week was, <laughs> and this is going to be that's going to be a collector's item. This is a Harley Quinn cover where she is basically in the uh Yeah, is it Neil? It she's is Neil in the Adam. Ali position against Superman in the ring. Um so that's my that's my uh consumer advice for Harley's Little Black Book number 5, not Harley Quinn. It's the spin-off book, Harley's Little There's Black Book. There's two spin-off books, aren't there? There's a, There's har- a group. Gang, There's gang a miniseries. There's a miniseries of a gang of Harleys. Yeah. yeah. Which sounds fun to say. Yeah, um, I'm just looking at the uh, side, the, uh, the flip side on the it. flip side. But anyway, yes, I mean that's that is interesting uh, timing. The interesting timing on timing. this is just int- uh, interesting because, uh, I mean, I just I just put my order in for the hardcover the hardcover when I saw it because I realized I had never gotten around to ordering it. No, I've never gotten around to it either, and so that's on my list of. But I better pick that up. You can see it. They've got the uh, there's Sunny Bono in the lower yeah, right hand corner yeah, and yeah. all all the characters that. Adams threw in there in the first place. So uh, let's play a little What's in the Bag here. All right. All right. So uh, what was uh, this week? What is your top? Oh, your top okay. Three? So I'll go with my top because I it was, I know. That's not fair. What are the three that you think are most I'm going to go note? with my top because it's the one I feel strongest about, and that is Midnight of the Soul by Howard Chaikin. Um, it's another period play- piece. It's a uh, – um, it's – Another tough guy in jeans. Uh, he's got a cheating wife. He's he's a soldier. He's a World War II soldier who came back traumatized, hooked on morphine, kicked the morphine, hooked on alcohol. And he's trying to write uh, a point of view novel based in World War II and not getting anywhere. Uh, but all of a sudden, there's something going on in the background where his wife has gotten involved in something and... At the same time, he's thinking he's going to go, maybe go kill her or maybe scare her or something. It's one of it's it's one of the less. I mean, there's there's a bit of pandering um, fan service in that book uh, to Chaikin fans who like uh, the kind of thing he does with dames in uh, in lingerie. Well, he's a hard boiled. Uh, I guess if you could say that, he's a hard boiled artist. Yeah, 
He's he's writing or he's working in a milieu that's a. I don't know if it's in or out of fashion right now, but, but I actually think his art style has come together better in this book than it had. Yeah, I mean, I I read Satellite Sam all the way through, and I thought he had been pretty strong through all of that. But there was another book more recently that that was that ran during that same time where it was just looked sloppy. It was just looked horrible. But uh, this this is back when to, he's on uh, his game. He's good. Yeah. yeah. So Midnight of the Soul, and that's uh, a issue. It's a issue one from Image. All right. Uh, I'm going to take because it probably has the most uh, conversation, and I know you haven't read it, but I have. Uh, Wacky Raceland number yep. one uh, with uh, interesting art. So the the uh, who is the writer? Uh, I think the writer is this designer from uh, from Mad Max Fury Road, Ken Pontac, Pontac. and the art is Leonard uh, Leonardo Manco, and I think it is it, it is beautiful art. It is a crazy book. You have to you have to compare the cover with the interior, though. Uh, the cover is these. much cleaner. It is much cleaner, and that's and that would be my problem with the book. Um, it's an unclear story, although I really like uh, I like the take of if anybody's familiar with wacky races. So that's my problem number one. Yeah, <laughs> is if anybody's familiar with wacky races in this day and age. I remember watching that. The first time around, I was like three or four, and I loved it because I I, I definitely loved Dick Dastardly. I love Penelope Pitstop, and then I, in what hind- was Dastardly's dog name Muttley. The Muttley, the wheezy dog. And yes, and the thing I think is that actually, what I more remember watching is there were two spinoff series the year after, The Perils of Penelope Pitstop, right, and Stop That Pigeon. Uh, oh, God, I forgot. Dastardly and Muttley and their flying machines, and they had the song "Stop, Stop that, that Pigeon." Pigeon yeah, you know, and I had a comic book from Gold Key of that, and so I think that that's that informs more of my knowledge of Wacky Races. And if any of you have followed that conversation so far, good. And if you didn't, I'm not sure that Wacky Raceland's going to work for you. I, you know, I don't think I think this book makes no mileage off of any knowledge of the prior prior work no but it because but it is even if look at look at penelope pitstop in this and remember penelope's pitstop was an archetype of i mean there were a lot of i remember the those daring young men well here here's 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 what it comes from one of the very first movie serials was the perils of pauline right so it's the perils of penelope but it's the impeccably dressed young woman in various things in various and this is like the impeccably dressed young stripper um, out there in the in the wilds of uh, well, she's of the femdom. Tough young, she's the tough young woman who's the rest of her family was killed in the apocalypse, and so that's it, just to yeah. set it up. I don't know if you've read this far. It's it's that in this, and I think it's a funny, if I can say it that way, uh, it's a funny conceit of like, I think I've I've mentioned this before. Like when I was in college, I saw where Grim and Gritty was going, and I'd come up with a Grim and Gritty. Uh, take on the Jetsons and the Flintstones. Oh, nice. And I probably have somewhere still like sketches of it where George Jetson was like this time traveling A crossover? Agent. Okay. And and that Gazoo had uh, these cavemen that he was put, he was experimenting upon. And so all the adventures of the Flintstones were the result of, of hallucinations okay. via an alien 
having taken the you know, they're like in pods and, okay so the cavemen were dreaming that they, they were lived dreaming, in bedrock and then, and then when jetson george jetson okay. finds gazoo it's not quite the same as when george jetson did go back you know, i know they did later do that <laughs> but uh that was because i was like i because and my idea was this is so silly this is how far the grim and gritty thing is going to go and then here's wacky race right right you right. know you know so, some you decades know. later and and but the conceit is that there is an announcer who rescues each of these people from a different part of the apocalypse uh-huh. and says, if you win enough races, you will get to be saved. You will get to go to Utopia. And they don't know who the announcer is, but you think about wacky races, and probably younger people might remember um, Yogi's Laugh Olympics. Same thing where right. there was like this omnipotent announcer sort and of going through. Doing the voiceover. Like and, and, and the commentary. Huckleberry and so, and so we don't know who the announcer is, but the announcer has plucked them out of death. And I don't know how many issues this is going to be, but the fir- the opening story is the continuing tale of them in their races and trying to establish them all. And this is where I find it weird is like it doesn't really give you time to focus on anybody. You have to know. You just have to go through all the characters in a short number of pages. You have to know issue. who Dick Dashley is. The anthill mob is frightening. Um, oh, my. Yeah, that's the anthill mob. And uh and see, and that's I know who they are. But then when you see any other mutants, I'm like, okay, are they some re envisioning mm-hmm. of a different character? I don't. So it's very confusing to sort through. And then in the back, the there's I, which I suspect they're going to go <coughs> one by one. Is uh, oh, they do a profile. They they do Lazy Luke and Blubber Bear, who have gone post which were racers I'd totally forgotten about, and. Um, this is also uh, just same art team, but it's dark and cannibalistic, yeah. and and they've re envisioned Blubber Bear was an actual cartoon bear, like many of their Hanna Barbera bears, who is a man who they uh, was almost mauled to death by a bear, and so the announcer essentially merged them. So nice. It's just it's it's savage. It's dark, and what it's missing, other than Dick Dastardly, who I don't think is ever actually named talking about making all kinds of sex jokes about how appealing he is it's it's not funny it's just you know it's, it's just grim and at one point there's a there's a driver who is says there's a gender change uh so he's transgendered and i have no recollection of which character that was supposed to be in the Maybe original it'll be revealed but but, but it's yeah. not but it's not you know i mean it should be yeah. who who knows who these characters I, are so. i i still have hope for one of the storylines in this hanna barbera thing and that is i'm hoping they will just do a straight up flintstones book a fl- well a fl- uh, like a modern sitcom yeah. absolutely i and i do have hope for that and, and it, from the art that we've seen so far, it sure looks like they could. Yeah, and and and, and don't do wrong, it like River, Riverdale. And don't get me wrong, Scooby Apocalypse wasn't bad. Yeah, it, yeah. It, you know, and Future Quest was just great. Oh yeah. So I even put that so in the this is just this is just bizarre. I'm still going to keep reading it, but it's uh, again I, this is another chance to write in and tell me if you were not someone who grew up on wacky races. Like and I do understand in Europe, wacky races is huge. Ah. Uh, and and so Hanna Barbera or Warner Brothers has been making a lot of licensing T-shirts and toys and stuff for wacky races in Europe, but I don't know that DC gets you know has the cachet there that they have here. Yeah. So 
you know, this is kind of a, it's an interesting experiment, but I don't know who it's going to be for. But it's still worth noting because I think it sold very well. Yeah, I just think that the, the you know, I loved, I loved Future, uh, the, the, the Quest book. I loved all yeah. the characters in that. That's definitely for me. I'm a mutant among mutants. And I don't know how many people are going to just grasp for that as much as as much as we would. The the only argument I have back there is it was so well done true. that I think it's that people would have fun if, if people pick it up. Because if people come at it from well, and even then, who's still watching this from Adult Swim? If you were a Harvey Birdman attorney at law and uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, they're legendary shows on Adult Swim. But true. I don't know that anybody watches right. them anymore. But Flintstones. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think it's going to be it's going to be the one. If I was going to not miss one of these from a from a standpoint of getting something that's going to be collectible or whatever, that's the one I. It has for. the most potential. Yeah, it definitely has the most potential. So, what would be next on your stack? Next on my stack would be the book that I had a lot of hope for, and it's down here, and that is Detective Comics. I think you and I got Rebirth. Got whatever cover you picked up for Rebirth. <laughs> got I got the other you one. You keep on looking like the, what uh, is I, that? I, I know. <laughs> Like Had you seen this all one? All of these. Uh, no, I don't think I did. I just I just like this one because I like the clay face in the background. But... I like the using of the usage of the character, though I've yeah. lost track of how Clayface could be Basil Carlo. But you know, I, I I think that this is what they've talked they've talked about as the Batman family book. And I used to I mean, that just resonated with me because one of the twenty five cent books that they had that I just loved picking up Absolutely. was Batman Family. Absolutely. And it it had like five different storylines in it and it was there were sometimes there were reprints and stuff, but Well everybody loves you know, when you watch Batman on film, everybody loves the lone the loner bit sure. of him. But the reality is when I was a kid the fact that he had a family, which yeah. made a lot more sense, I think we were talking about, it, than the Superman family did. That that Batman had created this family around him, and that they were, you know, they were all cool. I and I, I'll agree with you. That's that's what Detective was. Yeah, I, this this it didn't deliver for me a hundred percent on this, but this is setting a lot of stuff up too. And I did I did like the the fact that not everybody was right on board with it when he goes to talk to Batwoman. Mm-hmm. She's kind of challenging on it, and they they do have the moment where she she goes, "Well, thank you for finally admitting to me you're Bruce Wayne," as if I hadn't figured that out a long time ago, a year and a half Cousins, ago, to be specific, cousin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I and I like the <laughs> idea that I I, I like Clayface because when there's that one scene where they all take off and he goes. I can't fly. <laughs> Although we know we've seen Clayface fly because he can form wings and stuff. But I'm not sure if it's that Clayface. And that's okay. why I say I've lost yeah, track. Right. Is if it's and that's my and that's the only and it's a small thing. Is like just to give the history because yeah. this is where the Zorlak comes in. Yeah, the original Clayface was Basil Carlo, who was supposed to be Boris Karloff, right? Right. And he didn't have any shape changing abilities. He really, literally, just had a mask. Uh, because they said he was Boris Karloff, but he was really more like Lon Chaney, and he was the Man of a Thousand Faces. And one of the hor- the monsters he played in 30s cinema was Clayface. Mm-hmm. It was a guy wearing a mask, like the Phantom of the Opera, or probably more like Jay, uh, more like uh, Michael Myers now. Um, and so he didn't have any special ability. He was just going around killing people that were doing a remake of right. a Basil Carlo movie. So the one I knew was the Matt... Uh, his first name was Matt. Matt Hagen was Clayface, the one who had fallen into the radioactive pool right. and became the shape changer. So I, I think that's where most people know and, that. And, or and that's the one who had the wings. Right. And then there was a woman. And 
and and then there was there was one that was like all melty, and he wore a special containment suit. Yes, and, and, and but that almost was, like the the uh, metal men uh, like chemo like or, chemo. But he yeah. he wasn't Basil Carlo either. So to see that this is and this word almost doesn't fit well, it's for rebirth, me. You know, they can but, be re- but, but this is almost what doesn't make sense to me. And maybe I've missed an issue, you know, or a storyline yeah. somewhere is the that he's watching a Basil Carlo film, uh-huh. seeing how he was, but they make him like a modern-day pretty boy, and I almost would have loved that he was watching a, like a 30s movie and that he's that old yeah. being this childlike stuck yeah, in. Yeah, made for more complex character. And and so, but and, and, I, and that may very well be what's going on and an artist just misinterpreted. I don't know. So it's another chance of could, somebody catch me up because... I, I, I would say maybe they're, you know... A couple of clay, clay faces got merged, and well, this that, is the amalgam character well, that, that came out of it. Well, except that, that he specifically is watching Basil Carlo, and it sure. looks like a nine hundred two one zero guy. Uh, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and that may be because there was a whole family of clay faces at one point, and I think there's a there's a teen clay face that was going around for a while, and I thought that's who it was going to be. Uh, uh, so the other thing about this, I mean, bringing back in Orphan and um, oh, who was the old Batgirl, right? And, and Red Red Robin. Jason Todd, right? No, no, no it's uh, Tim. Tim. Tim Drake. Tim Drake. Tim Drake. The best. Um, who, who I have, I have just, I totally. After he was not part of the Batman core, I've just never followed any of his books because it didn't make any sense. No, but it almost seemed Damn, like Doctor Manhattan. Like this book, they're trying to almost elevate him. They go, well, we had one new Robin come up. Maybe we can elevate another Robin. Well, that way. and and uh, Bruce even says to Kathy Kane that that he's the best. That he'd worked with, yeah, and so it almost implies that what's happening in Rebirth, and I this better be what's happening, is that people are remembering the ten years, yes, that are gone, yeah, because the thing is, there would not be we would not get to Damien. I mean, I'm serious here. We would not get to Damien, who I love it as Robin, add up. if. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just saying in actual comics history, not in the history of, the, of their own continuity. Right. If Tim Drake had not proven that Robin was a viable solo character in a way that really Dick Grayson never uh, did until he became Nightwing, uh-huh. and that really Jason Todd did not, you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for the crap with Jason Todd. But when Tim Drake appeared and and being the character who was smart enough to figure out who Batman and Robin were, right. who was smart enough to figure out that Batman needed a Robin to keep him from going completely psychotic, yeah, and that he had trained himself essentially to get to Robin status, right? That was a cl- cl- and that's the Robin that had the first solo series, yeah. You know, Dick Grayson in the forties had like little Robin solo stories in other books and teen Titans and teen Titans, you know, but, but I mean, but that's where those Robin, those, uh, Tim Drake, original Robin miniseries, incredible sellers, probably still pretty valuable on the secondary market Yeah, because they were, he made that character viable and we wouldn't have Damien without that. Although I like Damien better. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up at least I will start picking this up. And okay, here's the irritating thing. I sat there reading these going the rebirth this week and thinking I may actually be buying a crap ton more than you thought of DC than I thought I was going to because they're not nothing's horrible and <laughs> you know <laughs> I know it's not a it's not that's, a strong that's a great bar it's not a strong <laughs> they thing. love you 
Like I, I'll say interestingly, just because I'm looking forward to Liam Sharp, um, who I've been friends with for a while, um, drawing Wonder Woman. The fact that you got Greg Rucka back and this rebirth, that the first thing they essentially establish is that Wonder Woman is a mess. And even within the context of this story, she cannot keep straight what her origin is supposed to be. And so they're just flat out saying, this is how it is to be a Wonder Woman reader. And it's, I mean, it really is. (laughs) You think you've got a bad being a reader. You think, (laughs) how about actually being the woman who nobody, you know... And and the art veers back and forth. Liam didn't draw that. You know, I think he's like five. Well, I like the here. I like the bit with the lasso and her interrogating herself. And, interrogate, and it, it's it's clever and interesting. I'm not saying it's a great book, but as a prelude to what they're going to do. Damn, she's almost she's almost uh, a Deadpool in this. So no wonder the story keeps changing. Yeah, you know, wow. something is. Something I, I, is, I only picked this up today, so I, something I is wrong. And she knows it, and uh, everything that has really every origin she's had in the last twenty or so years is alluded to here. Does that seem like every major creative team that has, has gotten hold has, of has redone it's a, her? No, it said like this is what really happened. Yeah. And oh no, it's really the it's really actually the guy. And here's the thing: is that you know Rucka has understood because I do think that Rucka was one of the best writers to handle her in the last thirty years. Is that Rucka understood? It's not about the origin. Who is the character now? Mm-hmm. It's not where she came from. It's what is she supposed to be accomplishing now? And so I, I think this is worth picking up, and it's interesting. So I give that uh, an acknowledgement. Next on yours? Okay, so the next on mine is going to be really weird because I'm looking at the, I was looking back through all the books that I had picked up this week, and I'm like, hey, that was interesting. And I, the one that almost made it was the new Darth Vader book because I'm, I'm – They've they've announced the last issue of that. Yeah, and I'm going. God, this has been so strong, and I I, I wanted to go on forever, but of course, it's better to draw it to a close when you're out of story. You know, when you when you <laughs> when you've done the story. What? Right. So, and you know, all the rebirth stuff, as you said, has been pretty good. Uh, Civil War, we've talked the hell out of Superman action. We talked the hell out of. I'm going to talk about something I'm looking forward to, and I'm going to—I don't know that—I didn't know much about it until I saw this this excerpt from it, a fairly large excerpt from previews. And I'll see if you—I'm pretty sure you've heard of it or know about it. So I'm going to—I'm going to toss it to you. But Prince of Cats, yes, it's actually uh, a reprint. Yeah, no, it's—it was a—it was a Vertigo book. Yes. And it got bad distribution, got great reviews, bad distribution, went out of print. And Image is going and to it's reprint. And it's been selling for like $100 and up for an issue of it. And it's being reprinted by Image now. And this is uh, uh, what's it, uh, Ronald Wimberly. Um, and it's it's Romeo and Juliet from Tybalt's point of view. Mm-hmm. Have you read it before? No, I didn't get to see it. I mean, it. This, is, this is just the, the, the iambic pentameter, everything in it. In it. I am it, looking there's forward like to an, it. There's like an eight-page sample in this you, issue. This you certainly previous. know that I, I you know, I, I love You love Shakespeare your Shakespeare. Yep. You know, because um, Kill Shakespeare, I, I love those guys. And this is not, yeah, it's Ronald Wimberley. But this is, this is an urban Tybalt in a Blade Runner-esque modern day, modern day, but everybody's got swords, uh, urban environment. So, you know, we're breaking the rules of what's in the bag, yeah. but this is fair because it's an eight-page, what mag, is this out of previews? It's out of previews. So you can okay. pick it up now and, and check it out, uh, read through it. Uh, I was so excited. I, I kept I kept turning the page. In you know, previews, you, you turn like 
oh, here's two pages from it. And you go, oh, there's a third. And you go, fourth. I'm into eight pages deep in this thing, and I'm going, I want this book. And then I looked, I started looking it up. I'm like, oh, it's a reprint. Oh, it's it's been out of print for 10 years? And spoilers, you know, read Romeo and Juliet and you'll yeah. know how it ends. Yeah. Uh, although it ends earlier for Prince of Cats. <laughs> but I did find I did find a lot, bunch of the artwork from it. And, um, I mean, it's kind of printed in a kind of muted style in previews, but the art's splendid. Um, so okay. I'm really looking forward to that. All right. And last on mine is going to be, um, because I have hopes for this sort of somehow uh, strangely merging into DC Rebirth. Adventures of Supergirl, which has been digital because they're like eight-page chapters, uh, has been digital by Sterling Gates and uh, the artist's last name is Lupacino. Um, I don't know the first name because I'm looking only at the cover, but I just I just finally went back and and I, I bought the, this is one of those books where it's like they said this isn't on your list. Do you want to have it on your list? Is I still don't know because I haven't had a chance <laughs> so to actually read one it. Up at a time. You know, I, I saw, but I hadn't had a chance to read any of it. Right. I just was like I had it and I was like. Uh, you know, I, I I thought I'll bet it's good, and Luke seemed to like it, and yeah. uh, so I read the first issue, and I'm like, this is exactly DC. You wanted to get, you know, it, it's it merges the feel of the show with the feel of a of the fun side of the DC universe. And the first issue, she faced Rampage. This is, uh, but but it, but it was the comic book version of Rampage, but it gave her a Fort Ross origin, right? And this is... And they're following the whole Fort Ross thing. Yes. And, which they're and, doing in the new book, too, right? I, I think so. And issue yeah. three has Brainiac 5. So Luke's in the back seat wa- reading this and says, well, who's uh, Vril Dox? And, and it right. starts asking me, and I'm explaining, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I, you know, I don't know. And then I'm looking at it going, no, that's... That's my Legion of Superheroes, Brainiac 5. And right. he's merging it well. And I know that DC Rebirth, Supergirl is going to be in National City, and she's got... And they're bringing Cat grant into into right, her cast right. and so i want to see i don't know if sterling gates is getting to, to write it but i i hope he is because he's doing a bang-up job here of merging that feel and this is this is one of those books that should do what dc claimed they wanted to do which is get new readers in and new readership are people that love that show. Yeah. And there are a lot of kids that love that show. And they're looking for more. And they're looking, yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's like somebody just posted, and I ran the trailer to jump a little, uh, you know, Injustice 2 got announced this week. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and so trailer and they said, well, here is, they're claiming, the they're claiming yeah. to be grim and gritty, you know, that they're trying to be bright and newer. And I'm like, well, one, how many years was this game in development? And then the thing I realized is like, look, I had fun playing Injustice 2, Gods Among Us. There were things about the plot I didn't like, but it was a combat game. Right. It was fun. Right. Uh, it was cathartic in some <laughs> in some days. And there's an audience that likes that. The Where New 52 went wrong was they were trying to pursue those people. And gamers aren't necessarily, I don't want to besmirch any gamers, but they're not necessarily comics readers. But they might like the characters in DC because... It was a game like Mortal Kombat, and they were Mortal Kombat fans. So go ahead and have that rated M game, Injustice Gods Among Us. But don't try to get them into comics. Because I can remember, I think the first time you and I interviewed Dave Gibbons, one of the comments was like he had done a Gears of War comic book. And he was in the video game section of Comic-Con signing autographs, and nobody cared. 
But if he had just been a thousand feet over or wherever, if he'd been in the DC booth signing, you know, and he and that was his comment. The line would have been a quarter mile long. Yeah, because in that world, nobody knows who Dave Gibbons is. Right. But it, but but in the comics world, he's great. And so it's the same thing. It's like, go ahead and do injustice and be dark. Don't let it seep into my comics. Right. You know, right. give get the readers in and the people that are reading comics are the people that want inspiration. So that's what Adventures of Supergirl is. Sterling Gates, if you're listening, uh, Car D'Angelo actually introduced us a few months ago. And you know, so maybe. Uh, Sterling, you're doing a great job. I'm, I'm loving this book. So. We, I did, we didn't do show. Uh, we didn't do a rollover. What we're going to talk about ahead in the show, but I yes. wanted to mention this while because we're surprising you. Since since uh, since you bring this, Rick up. is going without a net. No, this is this is actually something from TV. If if uh, which is they announced that Superman will show up in. Uh, Thank you Super for the reminder. I forgot to make uh, so speculation. Let's get back to it. Let's yeah. get back to it. Let's do a little movies. Um, speaking of no, it's not Superman, is it? It's but uh, they did announce. Uh, no, Marvel did not announce they're coming to Comic Con. Scott Derrickson tweeted out, the director of Doctor Strange said, "Am I coming to Comic Con?" Here's a little hint. And he <laughs> tweeted a picture of the banners that are already up in San Diego of Benedict Cumberbatch. The secret banners? <laughs> the secret banners. Um, no, but it's good. And then James Gunn tweeted back and said, oh, you're going to be there? I'm going to be really close. Maybe I should come see you. So <laughs> so we are going to see Marvel uh, at Comic-Con. And, and when I say we, look, I don't even I, – I don't have a hope and a prayer in hell of <laughs> – if my badge comes in the mail uh, of getting into Hall H anyway. But the fact is there will be announcements coming out of Comic-Con from Marvel. There will probably be some video on Comic-Con HQ of James Gunn talking and of Scott Derrickson talking. And my bet is that many cast members will come out from both those films, Doctor Strange and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And uh, so I'm very excited that that's, that that's happening. We won't see anything from Thor Ragnarok because apparently that actually starts filming July 15th. So I doubt that anybody there. Well, would... They had that one. Didn't they do something? No, with Thor, they had like the first day's shooting. That Captain had been America. Shot the, oh, was it Captain America? And Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn came and did it and shot a trailer that pretty much was the trailer for a long time after like one weekend, two days of filming. and he'd, But he'd also made sure that he had what he thought would be a trailer together. I thought Thor Thor had the scene where the, the tank comes to the wall. That's and the Captain Infinite. America. Is that Captain America? Oh, you're that's right. You're the, right. That's, that's the I'm first Avenger. Yes, yes, got all the they had of, shot the first, that's yeah. the opening scene from yeah. First Avenger. Right. Um, so, you know, we can we can look forward to that. Uh, so <laughs> He's going to have 35 millimeter slides and a carousel projector. <laughs> James Gunn, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, oh, but I do want to mention there uh, that, it, that the rumor officially is that um, Thor Ragnarok will also integrate pieces of planet Hulk yeah that Thor is going to be looking for the last stone and there's going to be a planet how Bruce Banner got from that that plane to a planet where he's a gladiator I don't know but if that's the closest we get to planet Hulk it's still pretty good yeah and it's and it could be pretty fun I'm looking forward to that director I have you have you seen what we I can't pronounce his name the, the New Zealand director have you seen what we do in the shadows no uh I think you'd be very it's a mockumentary about New Zealand vampires okay and uh you know they're hundreds of years old and and they and they're kind of wandering around trying to trying to keep us but Jermaine Clement is in it uh as well and uh 
the director is the main vampire and he's very prissy and he's uh there's a sequ- there's a sequel coming about the werewolves because there's a subplot involving werewolves i just all of a sudden flashed on from spinal tap all the drummers that spontaneously yes. combusted vampires could be yeah no it's a you know that 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 kind of joke is in there it's that kind of humor of like there's a film crew and they have to they've all sworn we will not feed on the film crew and you know it's like it's it's pretty funny you know just kind of a kind of a weird no he wanted it no i i think one i think one film member of the film crew gets fed upon it you know it's like there's something bad happens but um it's just funny and kind of a meandering way. it's very clever uh, it's like in 16 millimeter though. It's really it, it looks like it's a hand. I like the New Zealand documentary. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the right kind of twist, right? Um, on the flip side, uh, they uh, DC Films announced that they're turning the Hard Rock Hotel into Bell Reeve for Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. So they say a section of it, but they, you know, every year a piece of the Hard Rock becomes something. So Bell Reeve, there's that whole section where you have the stairs where they had Lego Dimensions last year. That you could turn that very easily into a display ca- a display area for, uh, yeah, because the stairs up to I think it was it's not a pool area, but there's a the whole thing where it could be enclosed and you could you could, yes you. Could I don't think I went into the Hard Rock at all last year. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I that I barely went in. I I was I barely went into the restaurant where they were doing the uh, expanse expanse thing. I always go in there to see what sci-fi does, yeah. and then I regret. Only because it's so expensive. Like I, I think honestly, it's the price is almost double because the, last year I went for breakfast there after Comic Con. Oh yeah, and I was like, oh, why now this is reasonable. <laughs> oh, the, their food's good though. Right? Oh, it is good food. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but you know that. Uh, but it was weird to go into that restaurant when it wasn't sci-fi and <laughs> just like, what, what happened? Oh man, talk about the spell broken. Pay no attention to the restaurant behind the curtain. Right. Uh, so, uh, and this this is movie news. You know what I'm saying? Because they are making this. And somebody, Alon, just asked me like, what what are people looking forward to? You know, what's the big thing? And I'm like, well, you know, we're waiting for to hear from the studios. Now we know there'll be Marvel. There'll be DC. I figured there'd be Suicide Squad. There'd be a big thing for Suicide Squad. Yeah. Who knows about the rest of DC films? But we shall see. Sasha Baron Cohen announced that he is going to be Mandrake the Magician. It's an interest. It's it's a very, please okay. make it a period piece. Please it's, make it a. Period it's a piece. very good casting from from a visual type of visual. Something in me would love to see him do a straight role, a stay, straight take on it, absolutely, and not be the comedic, not be, be a spoof. A comedic sloppy spoof. Well, you know, the closest he's come to that that uh, is, uh, what was the, uh, Sweeney Todd. Yeah, he but he's bar- still, yeah, But there was yeah, a moment where he dropped it. and became and, and, and became very, I mean, no, I know, it was a very comedic Sweeney Todd. Even. Yeah. It was a weird thing to say because Sweeney Todd is kind of dark humor, but, right. that, you know, Pirelli is interesting. I would like to see that. And he almost would have been if he'd gotten to play Freddie Mercury, but he said that actually oh. the script that they were trying to develop now, Queen is denying this, but said that they basically wanted to make a movie about how Freddie died and they carried on. And he said, no one wants to see that. There's a guy on YouTube. Did you see the – there's a guy on YouTube looks just – he looks like a younger Freddie Mercury and he sounds just oh, like him. Oh, I do not – I have not heard that. So oh. I, I will have to look that up. Uh, so anyway, Sasha Baron, they're developing a Mandrake the Magician, which is kind of 
interesting in that I like I, said, I would like to see a period piece because yeah oh, definitely I'm yeah. afraid if you did a magician now it would have to be like Chris Angel Mind Freak and that's not Mandrake that's just simply not and I mean although Sasha Baron Cohen could play a Chris Angel Mind Freak kind of kind of magician I want to see that guy in top hat and tails who gestures hypnotically yeah and I mean everyone talks about uh, the period setting in New York for the the new uh harry potter uh, uh the fantastic, fantastic Beasts and where to find them right um but you know it and it does look wonderful but so did king kong i mean the 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 but the idea that of doing a rich lush period piece background for this type of character is just that's like a comic drawn by michael kaluta you know like i want to see oh you mean like the shadow movie that wasn't very no. good, uh, <laughs> but uh, wow, way to let all the air out of my <laughs> balloon. <laughs> I'm just saying. The thing is, I when I say make it a period piece, is yes, I and I just want to emphasize that that I want that, but it's still going to depend on the talent and the and yeah. the story, the storytelling. You know, the shadow was Russell Mulcahy who had directed Highlander. When when you really watch that first Highlander. It doesn't make that much more sense than any of the movies that followed in the Highlander series. But it's fun. Oh, yeah. But I'm, you know, I am, this is back to complaining about X-Men Apocalypse. I am tired of just series of scenes that don't really hang together in a way that tell me one cohesive, coherent story. Right. You know, X-Men Apocalypse just careened. Let's give Quicksilver a moment. Right. Let's make sure that we get Hugh Jackman Although the Quicksilver in. moments were well, great. Well, it was great, but yeah. but then, but here's, this is breaking storytelling 101. Yeah. He has a goal. Yeah. And then for no apparent reason, chooses not to pursue it. It wouldn't have affected the action one way or the other for his right. story to have just finished. Right. Except I was describing it to my niece and nephew last night as saying, this w- apocalypse was the moment that the X-Men movies became as incoherent as the comics. And that's why I stopped reading X-Men comics for a couple of decades, you know? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, a movie that's coming, uh, you know, one, uh, one night only you can see the killing joke on Batman, the killing joke, an animated film on July 25th. And I think there's a mistake here. And that is that now the audience that I think when I, I posted on Fanboy Planet, and you follow a link to Fathom Events to find right. where a theater near you is, um, is that this is all based on Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Phantasm, which is arguably one of the best Batman movies, oh, period. Yeah. Um, Great soundtrack, too. Did not do well theatrically because I think in 1992, audiences were not sophisticated enough. To go, I mean, seriously, American mainstream American audiences right. did not go to see a com- uh, to see uh, an animated, animated Batman tra- film, right? Right. But we are at a point where, and it was way above the head of most kids that would. Yeah, I, I went. I, you know, yeah. I wasn't a kid. I mean, you know, I, I went and loved that movie and said that was fantastic. Yeah. And my girlfriend at the time was like, "That was fantastic," and we loved it. Yeah. And, but I think now, truly great twist in the. I think now. You could uh, a great twist that was revealed by the action figure line, oh, uh, wow. but uh, but now you could you could do it, and and the thing is, I mean, you've already committed to the video release, 
delay it a couple weeks give it a week in movie theaters and let people oh i hadn't noticed that when when's are they the same day or no the okay so it's monday the 25th right it comes out digital so like on comcast or whatever or itunes on the 26th and then the next week is when it comes out on blu-ray and dvd okay it has its world premiere at comic-con i think the friday before so but the thing is give it a week in a theater yeah Give it a shot. I I, I think yeah, it, because the, Sony is actively no, developing an animated Spider Man film. I see your point. I see your, your point is to say don't just do one night showing. Give it give it several showings over over a week, and let, pe- let, let more people see it. Let it be an experiment. You yeah. know you're going to make the money. Yeah. You know anyway from home video because people are dying for this film. And the thing is, if you go to the Fathom event, you're going to have like uh, extras with Mark Hamill and talking about what it means to him, and and that's all great. Yeah. And that's all and that's fantastic gravy. But I'm saying the audiences are at a point now where there are enough people that would want to see The Killing Joke that would go see it in a theater. Is that stuff that's going to be on the DVD as well? I don't know. Yeah. Probably. Probably. But it's still kind of cool. Because when they did the Doctor Who Fathom stuff, there was additional stuff that they did show in the theater that didn't eventually make it to... I think it has eventually made it onto like a boxed set. The, the stuff where he's talking to the audience yes. and saying reverse I think they, your glasses uh, and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I think they okay. did eventually put it. But I haven't bought the last couple of... Uh, collections yet so yeah. um i think i'll have to check because i do have i do have the 50th episode 50th anniversary yeah, episode the, on blu-ray yeah so i'll have to see if it, what the extras were you know the fathom events are if you if you you've done them have you uh i've done a few for like the national theater stuff okay uh but not any and, and I, those and are the ones the, i've missed i've really and, wanted and to go I, and i did do the doctor who 50th yeah. anniversary episode right. so but we went uh drew campbell and i went uh with a bunch of other friends from drew of uh, drew's to the big trouble in little China. I didn't realize that was a Fathom event. I thought that was Camera Three, just like showing I'm, it. Was it? Maybe it wasn't. Okay, I thought it was a Fathom event. But regardless, I think your point, if I may finish it for you, was, is the community. It was such an old movie. Everybody in the theater had seen it, you know, dozens of times. But it was. I'm going to remember that because I was in a bunch. I Drew Campbell was laughing like a madman through the whole thing well they've got willy wonka coming up and yeah. i kind of think and want to ask my son if he wants to go see it in a theater i mean sure we've seen the movie but we love the movie and when you know how often do you get the chance you know i think my kid loves seeing things in theaters too and it's like well, you want to see willy wonka you know see it the way dad saw it the first time only probably in a much better theater than dad saw it especially if it had a great a good sound system because there were no good sound systems when it first came no. out no i saw it at the hacienda and you forget how, there how charming gene wilder can sing and emote yes and all those songs sharon stone has been saying she's uh got a cameo in a marvel movie playing a superhero and she said she has fire powers so Firestorm? Firestar? 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 Maybe. Yeah, that's the speculation is going. Is, are they going to establish uh, that Firestar had been around for a long time? It's an interesting character to pull out of your hat. It is. You know, who knows? Is she going to like just make an appearance in Spider-Man Homecoming? Or is she just Sharon Stone getting attention? Didn't she get start in the animated series? Yes. And they so then they worked her backwards into the comics. They reckoned her as a mutant. Yeah. Angelica Jones, Firestar was was uh, became a mutant for a while. Spider Man and his amazing, amazing friends. friends. Yeah, Spider Man, Firestar, Ms. Lion, and Iceman. Oh, and, God, uh, yeah. And Firestar was was uh, voiced by uh, 
uh, what's it, Kathy Garver, who was uh, sissy on uh, <laughs> on Family Affair. Right. So you see her on the circuit on the on the on the autograph alley for uh, that. Yeah. For for that. Well, she's done a lot of voiceover work, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, a very nice lady. Very nice. like I think the first it wasn't Big Wow then, right? When it was still Super Con. Um, I think the first one we were uh, at a table like at what is now elusive. But I don't think it was for the comic shop. I think it was for Tony Loco, like Elusive Arts Entertainment. We had a table right next to Kathy Garver, and oh, so we okay. talked to her casually. And I just, just think of Family Affair as like, geez, that was that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she's not the only surviving child. Sebastian though. Cabot, Sebastian Cabot, Brian, Brian Keith, Keith, Johnny Whitaker, yeah. and uh, oh, I can't remember the girl who played Buffy. Um, Back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? No, it was Buffy. Her uh, doll, Mr. Ms. Beasley. Ms. Beasley. Ms. Beasley. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Ms. Beasley scared me. I was afraid Ms. Beasley, Beasley caused most problems with getting lost and they had to go find her. I think my cousin had a Ms. Beasley. Yeah. In, Mrs. Beasley. It wasn't Mrs. Beasley, Miss. Yeah. She was married, uh, of, course, of course. As, as, as She's a widower. Yeah. Widow. Sad story. A widow. Widow, yes. <laughs> She was the widower. She would cause. Yeah. Well, the first transgender character on television, <laughs> no one knew. Um, Francis Lawrence, who was directing, who was directed the Hunger Games series, is rumored to be directing a Battlestar Galactica big screen. Which is, do we need one? Haven't we had one? Well, if you saw the original pilot in Sense Around in nineteen seventy, uh, they cut they cut a couple episodes together during. During this, that's during right. The they did show. release the second one. They, they did release the second. I one. I think they released two separate movies that were like. like I don't know four that episodes they, I that got cut that into two came, movies. I don't know that those came to theaters. I think they were repeats that they I'm pretty tried sure to sell I saw. I, I, I know I saw the pilot in in theaters. Yeah. Uh, you know, and because uh, it was in sense around, I remember that. I saw it at Cinema One Fifty. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. I, I just think after such a well-regarded, I mean, I've said that before. You know, they're bound to determine they're going to bring the classic version of Galactica forward. But I'm like, after you reimagined it, yeah, there's no need to do something else. Do something new. I think leave those Cylons being yeah. mocked on Robot Chicken. Yeah, uh, you know, so by your command, they, I just watched one this season of the of a surprise party for Cylons, which was pretty funny. Uh, good joke. Uh, and then you posted there's a new Ghostbusters trailer, which I have not actually watched yet. Or there's actually a campaign. There's a huge publicity campaign to convince you that you know Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray are like they're hilarious, and Ray Parker Jr. actually sang the song on uh, uh, the Tonight Show. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, so both casts were there. Well, they they had uh, they had four separate character based vignette. Uh-huh. trailers um and then they had one for the ecto one which this time around is a hearse not an ambulance right and so there was a lot a lot about that in that that trailer and but the uh holzman one was my favorite that's the i've forgotten her name short short blonde hair um kate mckinnon kate mckinnon um I think she's she's definitely my favorite character of the four of them. They're all talented comedians. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm just saying the, the no. way they built that character out. She's like she's like Egon. I hope to watch that and see it because the thing with the trailer has not been that I hate it because it's women. It's, it's uh, the trailer it, has the trailer's not been, funny. been bad. Yeah, the second trailer was better. Um, and there are some there are some scenes that that actually do hold promise, but I'm really worried that the, that we're seeing 
the best of the film in five minutes. Well, and I think, and the worst part is that the trailer itself does not is playing coy about whether or not the previous Ghostbusters existed. Yeah, and I I think that they didn't. That this is all like meant to be brand new, but well, including they, Bill Murray in the cast as is someone else. Telling. Yeah, yeah, but. And Dan Aykroyd as well. They're all, yeah, all yeah. the survivors. Uh, and Ernie Hudson is, uh, what's her name? Uh, Leslie Jones's uncle. Mm. So uh, it's, they're all there. And, and I, I would be okay if they were just, you know, making cameos without being those characters yeah, I, and I, still say, but, but the trailer didn't make it, you know, because it said like 30 years ago, they saved the, saved the world. And then, and now a new team is saving right, the world. Right. Like, no, don't call attention to it. Right. That's either. That's the moron in marketing who writes this, this, yeah. who writes, writes a text for himself and doesn't go back to the original writers or anybody to, uh, yeah. To confirm that, but which, which I thought was a, somebody left in the eighties, you know, the, no, 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 still still say, no, no, because uh, somebody else is always cutting those trailers. It's never, well, yeah. I shouldn't say it's never. There are some people, like I said, James Gunn, when he came to Comic-Con with Guardians of the Galaxy and he'd only shot two days, he shot with a trailer in mind to tease everyone mm. at Comic-Con. And then Marvel pretty much used with a, with a few other, you know, right. once they had more, but it, it still followed the pattern of what he right. had laid out, you know, and uh, Brian Singer did that with X2. What he brought to Comic-Con, no special effects, just told story. And that essentially, they added a couple of effects in, but it was essentially this exact same thing that he had brought to uh, to Comic-Con. So if you let the storytellers actually tell their story, you know, tease their story well. Funny. Funny that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we shall see. In television, the exciting news this week for some people. It, this is 80s animation week. Uh, that Shout Factory announced that Transformers the movie they've negotiated with Hasbro they have a long term contract to keep it in print on Blu-ray and DVD for the foreseeable for several years they I love that movie I've never seen that movie I love so, that movie so the fact that it's coming out and finally after I don't know how many and years I didn't of like that, Transformers I didn't never watch the, the the show but I loved that movie. And it's got Orson Welles. Orson Welles' last last role. And it's got uh, Leonard Nimoy and uh, who's oh, Peter the, Cullen, the guy, the guy who was the fast talker in the commercials. During John Machida. John Machida's in it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there we go. It's uh, there's a lot of joy in Mudville here. Uh, people are going to be excited because I know that is one of those things. Again, I missed it, but I did not watch the Transformers series. I did not see the movie. But I know that people that were like, say, 12 when that yeah. movie came out were traumatized by it. They were forever changed. They they think this was one of the greatest movies ever made. I cannot pass judgment on that because I have not seen it. But now, thanks to Shout Factory and Hasbro, I will finally have the chance yeah. to, to watch it uh, in high definition. Yeah, I'm, I, as God intended. I hope they did get it. They paid for a good digital cleanup I'm on that. I'm sure they did. Because I think... Shout- I think I still have a VHS copy. I think Shout Factory knows perfectly well what they've got on their hands and and who wants it and how badly they want it. I mean, that's why we know in August as well they're getting that Buckaroo Banzai, which (laughs) I totally want. Criterion Collection presents. There should be. I mean, (laughs) Shout Factory is the closest really actually to doing that of like – it's the criterion for geek movies. You yeah. know, they acknowledge it. That's okay. Uh, and and speaking of these uh, giant robots from Japan, 
Voltron uh, relaunched this week uh, on Netflix. Were you a Voltron fan? No. No, I wasn't either. No. Uh, <laughs> so uh, tonight I may go and watch it because actually the villain, Zarkon, is that the the emperor? The evil antagonist. So of- I was I was just I was just old enough to be snarky and spiteful enough towards anything that I felt was a knockoff of something else. Just uh, but, to, to but immediately. We, then you didn't say, understand that about about Japanese animation. I'm sure that it's not a knockoff. It's just it's a genre well, in and of itself. And every and people love. And please now Voltron is crucial to the Deadpool Deadpool mythos uh, because of the lion ring uh, in in the movie. You know, but. Uh, Anyway, the antagonist of that series is Neil Kaplan, who is a San Jose boy and uh, a friend. And if we had recorded on Wednesday, uh, if we had been able to, and neither of us were for for different medical reasons, uh, he was going to call in and talk about it. So we may Ah. still get Neil in. It was was like, this is why I can't plan surprises for you. Like, uh, you know, I was like going... (laughs) Going, going. Hey, Neil, can you call? And then you and I talked and went, "Oh crap, I forgot." You know, we we both have conflicts, and so I messaged him and said, "Scratch that." And it's a Warriors game anyway, isn't it? Right? And he goes, "No, I'm still going to call in." How did I do? So uh, we will uh, reschedule Neil on uh, to talk about Voltron. It is a care. You know, it is a series that it's a. It's another one where I can't believe how many of my friends are just going nuts over yeah. it because they loved the original and I never watched it. So uh, it's exciting uh, that it's happening and it's it's definitely uh, getting incredibly great reviews. So I'm going to have to give this new Voltron a shot just to see what it's like. It was announced this week that uh, Cinemax is going to develop Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev's uh, Scarlet into a series. Which I think is long overdue. I don't know if it's a series. It's a heck of a movie. There's only been ten issues in four years. Okay, but uh, I'm trying to think if I've uh, is the, that a vampire? Based no, thing? no, 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 no. There was a series it? called Scarlet. Yeah, the DC published that was like a Buffy before Buffy. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but and actually, MonsterVerse owns the rights to that now. They do that digitally. But uh, you are welcome, Sam Park, for that shout out. Uh, but. Uh, no, Scarlet is it takes place in Portland, and it's about uh, an anarchist, a, a young girl who's uh, a young woman, I should say, whose uh, boyfriend was killed in an episode of police violence, and so she's trying to expose corruption in the city, and is you know disrupting public events and so forth, and it's basically homegrown. I guess you'd say almost terrorism, but I I can recall. The first issue is basically one long monologue by her, and uh, I got to dig out. I did review it and remember saying it was like this is strictly – this was like a – which I told Bendis this, and he loved it that uh, you know he's a big David Mam- – heavily influenced by Mamet. And I said this uh-huh. is this should be like an acting monologue. Young young women actor, uh-huh. actresses should – actors should be taking the script – for this first issue and just adapt it into one into a hell of an audition piece because yeah. it lays out it's so much emotion um and yet because it's a comic it was like a you know 21 page comic it, it's really it, it's all told verbally a very condensed uh, a very short piece over the supporting but images but it's a tremendous character piece yeah and so i i don't know that it would be a series i but you know and this is the thing is i don't know that as someone like Cinemax, would they invest in a two-hour movie adaptation 
if that's, you know, instead of trying to draw out a story, like, tell me that's just this one good comic book story. You know, and uh, there was a time they would have, but uh, I think now everybody's looking for that that multi-season limited series Game of Thrones format or, well, dare we say, Walking Dead format or even Preacher format where you can just keep spinning that story out and, you know, and get a lot out. Um, whereas I think some stories just tell that two uh, tell a great two hours. There's only been 10 issues. Yeah. You know, how much further is there? So, and speaking of, you know, I didn't say, say have you caught up on Preacher? Which is only two episodes. Have you, have you watched them both? I've only watched the first one. All yeah. right. I was gonna say I don't remember enough about the about the original. I rem- I remember the broad strokes. After I watched the first one, I was gonna go back to my trade paperbacks and reread. I want to. I I need to pick them up myself because now they've got these beautiful hardcover. You can get the deluxes. first issue for free still in comic book stores. I, I know I could with with all the all the actors likenesses on the cover. Uh, but there are these great deluxe, which I ne- I didn't have the individual issues. I always read Michael Goodson's, so I need to uh, get. You know the the hoarder in me goes. There's these beautiful deluxe hardbacks. I want those. They're about forty bucks a piece. Yeah. And I don't know how many issues are collected, but I remember loving the series enough. The television series is taking its time getting to what I remember as the big action of the first in the first, but even in, in the two episodes. Yeah. And yet, I'm going to say something that is very strange. I almost like the TV series better. I'm liking the character development in the TV series. Because I I remember reading Preacher and thinking that Garth Ennis's take on Jesse Custer was it was snarky. It was meant to yeah. be it was it had its points to make certainly about religion and so forth, but I didn't believe the character. I was there for the plotting and the outrageousness of it, which is often when I read Garth Ennis that's how I feel. Once you watch the second episode, Dominic Cooper, very, very, very slow to realize what he has in the voice. Uh But definitely seeing the character development of a man struggling with actual faith and actual faithlessness, having been a mercenary... And and like trying to figure out what is he supposed to be, regardless of having that power, focusing on just his own crisis of conscience is so powerful and so engrossing. And yet, and then in the in the middle of it, there's this weirdness involving Cassidy the vampire, and, <laughs> and Tulip is hilarious, and and yet there is a strong dramatic... that captures right out of the comic though, right? Yeah. But it, no, even. I, well, in, though in the second episode, there's a thing that you're going to want to go. That's not out of the comic, okay. but it feels that's what I like meant. the comic. It, it, there, there's, there is a, a different take on the conspiracy. That was, you know, there was another group uh, working against him throughout the graphic novels. Yeah, and there's a different take on them that I was like going, is this like Tim Burton stepped in? And really cool that you guys, uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, went there. It's not like anything they've written before, but I'm. But what keeps pulling me back is Dominic Cooper is really making me believe this guy is be- a man of God begging God to tell him 
what's he going to do? I thought that was that was entirely captured in the first episode. The the, the his background, his motivation, his yeah, history, I mean, it, all the it, problems it, it's, he has. It, it's there, but it's the it's, father issue. There the, is a cliffhanger on the second episode okay. that I'm I'm like it's not that big a deal. And yet it's so obvious that it means everything to him. And uh-huh. I don't and obviously it's a cliffhanger, so we don't know how it gets resolved, but it's like it was just like that second episode ended and I, I watched the first episode and went, eh. And there's a thing where there's like all that fifties almost educational film look. You know, like the beginning where yeah. it, where it, when it was the, the voice from heaven and it's the planets that look like it, you know, it's an old science right. science class film. And I was like, why are you doing that? And then it was, no, that totally makes sense because you're in Texas. You're, you, you know, that that he's fighting with his own, There's they're all of them. The people that he's interacting with have a very limited understanding. There's something so much bigger going on then they have the tools to deal with even to some extent Cassidy which I love about that like he's sophisticated in some ways but in others it's just like he you know I'm not going to be surprised if it turns out that Cassidy has no idea about anything in the, which I think gets touched on in the graphic novels like he doesn't know anything about actual other vampires hmm. you know he just knows that there are people hunting him yeah and there's something else going on by the second episode really clever clever I don't think that's from the comics but clever and yeah. again uh, uh we had a wonderful fight scene with him on the plane. That was great. That was amazing. It was great. And uh, so, very inventive. So I was looking forward to. Pre- the other thing is, and I know they kind of. They, uh, they altered the makeup and the look of Arse Face, but the kid who's playing Arse Face. Yep. That, that again, that connection with Jesse Custer of, you know. It, it, did God turn his back on me? And I'm just riveted by, right. By that struggle. Right. And that kid being so sweet and going like, I, and they, they haven't really said why I know they say it in the comic, but I don't think they established why he tried to kill himself. And, and it's a very different introduction to the character than the comic. Yeah. Had. The comic, he was horrific at the beginning. He had all the lead up to it was suspenseful. Yeah. And, and then he no, was this disgusting. Just went, this and, just went blunt in and yeah. that they aren't going to, that they don't want you to make fun of Ars face. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And like there's heart to this in a way that, you know, you think back, I haven't seen in their work, I say Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's since Superbad. Mm. And people don't under, you know, people don't even think Superbad has that, got that much heart to it, but it really does. That's why that movie works. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, just the, there's the teenage disgusting yeah. movie parts. Yeah. But, but there's, there's a, but there's, there's, a, the there's, a, there's a sweet core to yeah. it and a truth. And that's what's going on on Preacher yeah. in the TV series, and I'm I'm like I now I'm almost afraid to go and spend my money on on rereading it because I don't want to be I don't want to sully what I am enjoying on this TV series. Yeah. Well, we're still dealing with I mean, Ennis's brilliance in writing this this story. It, it, it's it's just being retold, and probably rightly to be more accessible to an audience that is yes. not, not looking at vertigo titles right right you know they're not going oh it's a vertical book i know what to expect they're they're going oh it's a it's a what is it what's the channel it's on amc amc so it's an amc show i don't really know what to expect i mean yeah, yeah. it's just dark and there's this uh, touch of the supernatural but it, but the actual just the people dealing with each other is compelling yeah so it's yeah. i'm enjoying that I, I do want to say uh, we'll get the very rare po- politics. Uh, are you ready? Uh, are the, we are we done with TV? 
Uh, well, this is a TV thing okay. because of, of Ash versus Evil Dead. Earlier this week, there was a photo being sent around on the internet of a victim of, of a Trump supporter who was beaten bloody uh, by at a at a Trump rally, probably in San Jose. I think it was most attached to that. And and, and this is not to say because I will go out on a limb politically here and say that it upsets me that the anti-Trump protesters instigated violence. Right. And that's no way, you know, I'm sorry, you can disagree with Trump, but he he and his supporters have the right to assemble peacefully. True. And, uh, and I know people on both sides. And well, But anyway, this photo was out, there's a blonde woman. And Bruce Campbell got upset and released and said, that was a makeup test for Ash versus Evil Dead. Someone got the photo. Oh, nice. And... And said, look at this is, you know, somebody, this is a, a shot of, of one of the people after she was treated uh. in the hospital, you know, and she's got blood. And he's like, no. Uh, so good for Bruce Campbell, because I, like I said, I can be I can be angry at both sides politically. Right. It's like I'm tired of the BS. Don't lie to make your point when there were plenty of legitimate reasons right. to be right. ang- to be upset about what happened in San Jose last week. Yeah. And uh, on both sides. You know, you don't have to bring in Evil Dead. <laughs> Photoshop Although judgment created. That's uh that's uh, probably a, a new nickname for Trump's hair. Uh so oh, oh no, I'm sorry, that's what Evil did Red. I, what, um did you watch Obama on uh, the Tonight Show? No, I haven't watched it yet. <sighs> there was a line he, he comes out and he does a cool jazz. they do a, a, a cool uh, what they do a a musical i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try and capture this review of his they do hip-hop his accomplish yeah. uh, his accomplishments not, not hip-hop it's more like uh smooth jazz smooth, not smooth jazz it's more like uh very white kind of yeah, like okay. telling of it and it'll, there's a line in it that said that uh, i think obama delivers which is orange is not the new black <laughs> Okay. Again, regardless of your politics, that's, that's a good funny. line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can I talk a little video game just because there's... We were going to get back to Supergirl. Oh, okay. Go back to Supergirl. And Superman. Superman is, uh, at least the first two episodes, will actually cast an actor as Kal-El. Thank heavens. Yeah. Uh, and so... Once- much as I liked seeing the boots... <laughs> No, that was silly to me. As much as I love that show, that was a silly, silly touch. Um, and yes, uh, the interesting thing that has come up is that uh, Tom Welling had a pilot for CBS that wasn't picked up. So now every there's a lot of people going, this is it. We'll put Tom Welling in as oh. Superman. And I say, no. Let us not forget that Tom Willing, Welling had no interest whatsoever in, in wearing, wearing the suit. Yeah. So I don't think that Tom Welling's going to... Because if you cast a Superman and just give us Clark Kent and then a little blur of I'll red see. and blue... It's the CW now, right? Yeah. Do they have anybody else on the CW who's played Superman? Why, yes, they have. <laughs> they do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brandon Routh. Uh, I, you know, again, I That'd would... That'd be great. I would love to see... Because someone could go up to him and say, you know, you look a lot like Ray Palmer. Palmer when they do a crossover. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, wait a minute. In another universe, Ray is <laughs> Superman? Why Ray? Without your armor. Uh, I would I would, I would, would love that. Because I've said before, you know, in Superman Returns, Brandon Routh is not the problem with that movie. You know, No. He, he no. Is, he the is, script is the problem with that movie. He is very good in that role. 
and I always feel bad that he did not get to continue on as Superman. Oh, he was fine. He was a, he was a, a very good inheritor of the Christopher Reeves. And in fact, actually, I think there's a lot, at least on Legends of Tomorrow, that Ray Palmer is a lot like that Clark Kent. I totally agree. And and very noble and very straightforward. And I I adore Brandon Routh in that role. Uh, But I would like to see him... It would be fun to see him be, but he has made Ray Palmer not just a. Well, he's, a he's different, but it, but it, yeah. but it is, but there's yeah. still that kind of gee whiz, you know. There's a decency that comes out of that, and that well, you know, and I, I'd like to think that's who Brandon Routh is, but who knows? Yeah. Um, I don't know who else I would, you know, because the thing is, like when they cast Dean Cain way back in Lois and Clark, that was like he was kind of an unknown. Yeah, and that would have been, you know, and it would be okay to do an unknown. I just think at this point. It's gotten so big, you know, and as far if you're a fan of the show, like that when they're going to show his face, when they're going to show his face, it almost has to be somebody you know. Uh, I would totally go with Brandon Routh. Well, I know you would, but would would Brandon? Uh, like I know him. I'm sure he would. Would old Brando do that? Um, but see, see, I don't know that that would make sense. Well, although, see, here's the thing. When they've established with the doppelgangers that you can go with from – uh henry garrick to uh, uh sorry henry allen to being jay garrick um you know it, it's uh it could be that they have different names but i you know I, I don't know i don't know one more tv thing sure did you watch game of thrones this week yes i did i'm so sad that we don't get more than one episode with ian mcshane in it he was so good on oh, that show that was just he was just he was the perfect reintroduction of the Hound, the counterpoint to be telling his story against the Hound's but story. But also one of the most profound dissections and discussions of religion in that world. Yes. And in, by the way, in ours. Yes. Um, and that's why I found the writing of that episode to be just so, so solid. And is Deadwood still coming back There's for another movie? There will movie? be a movie. There will be a movie, yeah. Oh. He, he, he says it's happening. Oh. You know, no one It made me ache again for for the miss for the so yeah missing season no I, I i loved that episode i was really glad to do that it had been a long day of working on sunday yeah and then i was like okay i can sneak in game of thrones i don't care and i watched it and i loved and it. the episodes of the episodes this year have seemed a little more rushed but for that a bit more satisfying yes I would agree with that. Although, again, you know, I I guess the other problem that I and I was just reading about and it's to be reminded of that there are so many sub. I knew it was going to happen, right? Because these books, the books themselves, got so right. sprawling. But the other problem is because of Game of Thrones, everybody's gotten popular, so they're off shooting movies at the same time. Right. So there right. are episodes like you know, oh, because this is no no Peter Dinklage in this one. Um, because I don't know what he was doing, but he wasn't being in Game of Thrones this week. He's hosting and, Saturday Night Live. Uh, maybe. Uh, uh, yeah. It, was, it wasn't the best usage of, of Dinklage. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, Amelia Clark had been doing that Me Before You. Yeah. Or something, you know. So it's just kind of like, uh, I'd like to move forward all these plot lines, but now they've got that problem of like what happened with the rest of development when it came back. Because of this show, everyone's gotten so in demand that they've got to parse out the space and the time so that people they can be on the show and pursue their careers elsewhere because let's face it it is wrapping up we understand that it's like i think one more season after this maybe two yeah i haven't heard but they're short they're like you know only seven or eight episodes but i'm fine it's like if you have this sense of urgency of the plot 
and and wrap up. I don't care. There's only seven or eight episodes per season for the rest of it, because give me good television. Oh yeah, you know that's. I saw a clip from early years of True Blood just today, like somebody posted, and I went, "That's right. That's that's before True Blood should have ended." You know, <laughs> and 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 by the way, you know, it lasted two or three years after it, it should have ended. ended. Yeah, you know. So I'd rather you know, as we're saying about comics, you know. When you're done with the plot, yeah. If you if your plots have every character was bad twisting around to being good, and every character is good twisting back around to being bad, you've gone too far. You're, you've run out of uh, things to write about. Didn't you just describe Marvel Axis? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. <laughs> so Marvel should have shut down. Um, I do want to go a little video game thing because Lego Dimensions unveiled. We said taught earlier said you know Injustice uh, Two uh, was announced this week at, for DC. And Lego Dimensions, uh, we were we were also mentioning uh, as we were ramping up to making the introduction to the show that Infinity had the Through the Looking Glass characters came out uh, this week and there was really no advertising. We're still going to see Finding Dory, but it's just going out with a whimper. Like, you know, uh, uh, Disney not only has stopped with Infinity, they're just almost holding their noses and just sort of dumping it all out there. They're releasing things like a pigeon releases things. And it's just a shame because it's still a good game and people are still yeah. into it. And you could sell and you could get rid of your inventory and, and yeah. keep your community in goodwill, but they're not doing it. Lego is doing it right. Hmm. So they just announced year two of Dimensions but I want to say up top, let's not make it suspense, suspenseful. You don't have to buy a new starter set. They're just down. They're just going to push the software to you, to to you, yeah. and expand what's already there. And that's where yeah. Disney Infinity should have gone. Should have. And you know, so year two includes is bringing in uh, Harry Potter, okay, Sonic the Hedgehog, mm-hmm. Adventure Time. Now, this one's a little odd to me, but I can see it being cool. Mission Impossible, E.T., and The Goonies, as well as upcoming properties, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and the new Ghostbusters team. And this, by the way, is not everything they're ready to announce. They're just saying... And that's what was so fantastic about the Lego Dimensions thing, is suddenly throughout this year, they've been... a unveiling things that we did not know were coming to the set to the game and that you're going to push a software update that just allows you to expand onto the game you already have right and just keep building that universe as they get more and more properties right i would not be surprised if in a year if year three disney didn't go ahead and just give them and let them license star wars and marvel to add in with the DC superheroes. Yeah, but you know, I wouldn't buy it again. I don't know. Yeah, well, just, but they're Lego characters, and I, I understand. But I'm saying if you, that they would do it, and, I know, you wouldn't, yeah. and you wouldn't have to buy a new starter set. No, they'll set. sell it to a whole other... I mean, I have to... When you said Mission Impossible, and I know it's not the Lego style, but my mind flashed to Tom Cruise drawn in a Kim Possible style. Running yes, no, that screen. would be Infinity. That no, would have been, no, that this would, would be Lego Infinity. That would, no, that but but Disney the thing Infinity. is, the uh, the uh, the uh, what's his character? Ethan Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt. The uh, Lego Ethan Hunt is actually life size. So uh, this is going to be <laughs> great uh, to play. Uh, but 
It's just it's interesting. So he's he's taller than everybody. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> uh, please, I have actually met him. No. Um, so um, anyway, I I just was very excited that that was. I had suspected that's where they were going to go. I, not that not the properties, but that that but that whatever the next level would be. But I had no proof, and then it came out this you know that was just me going. If they were smart, this is what they would do, and they did it. Yeah, and, and to say it's a it's a world you just you just sell a little fun packet, unlock something new, and uh, you know so. And the flip side uh, was and you a, keep building. Yeah, and then they, which is so Lego, right? Building and, and Crash, uh, and they also announced Crash Bandicoot. I think it is is wow coming. No, not to not to Lego, but oh. actually going joining Skylanders. So that was a Genesis, wasn't it? Crash Bandicoot. Uh, I had it on Nintendo. I think was it was it Nintendo. Nintendo. Okay. I you know I I had it on the Game Boy, one of the Crash Bandicoot games. I don't know if there was a, okay. a full on console. I know that that had the handheld. oh, there was definitely a full on console version too. I didn't have that, you know. Okay. So, but regardless, it, it's a, it's a cool thing. And next week is E three, right? So there's supposed to be a lot of yeah. stuff coming. There's a DC Montreal. Uh, game developer and they're thinking that at e3 we're going to get an announcement of some either a justice league game maybe a suicide squad game i i would put money on a suicide squad game just because i'm pretty sure they it's close enough to arkham asylum yeah. uh that and and you can focus on harley quinn but if there's a justice League game or a superman game that would be cool to finally get a good superman game we keep we keep uh, they keep swinging for the fences uh, with, and lobbing softballs, but not. Uh, I really shouldn't go for sports metaphors, but that, but it, it's. Uh, but I know that those games have uh, previous Superman games have not done well, and there was the Justice League one. What was it called? Um, I have it on PlayStation, uh, which I'm calling back. Neil Kaplan was Gorilla Grodd in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that game, but it was it was an overhead one. Oh, what is the name of that Justice League game? Uh, anyway, uh, there was one. Do you know that one of the first ones was actually done in Campbell? The development organization was in the Water Tower area. Well, I, I can say the uh, the Xbox Superman game. Uh, Superman was uh, Jeff Kramer, the owner of Comedy Sports San Jose. Ah, okay. So uh, he beat me for that role, and uh, I forgave him. But because uh, you know, never liked the game. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was. A, I, I know that many of those were were done locally. So. What is the name of that Justice League game? Um, oh, dang it! Anyway, it was it was fun. Justice League Heroes, maybe I think that was it. I don't know. It was on PlayStation and Xbox, and that uh, was fun. But uh, so uh, we look forward to some superhero games coming being announced in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we will. Uh, while we're recording on a Saturday night, we will not be recording later this week, but we will have a podcast uh, that we'll be recording on. We hope, right? Uh, 22nd. June twenty second. Because Nate Costa will be in town, and we will get to have Nate back on. He'll be flying through San Jose. He's going to join us for a few minutes before he has to jet on out. Uh, no, I'm hoping more than a few minutes because we can't do a 10-minute podcast. We, <laughs> Our constitutions are clearly incapable of doing it. Uh, so uh, we will have Nate on the 22nd. So um, that's it. Once again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can also uh, send PayPal donations to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only for good. Fanboy! I never give up and I never surrender. Fanboy!
thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you.